When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oblivious. That's the nothing personal word of the day. Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. Oblivious covers all sorts of sins. When something happens, you get to say, hey, I had no idea. Plenty of ways that we could start nothing personal today. So much unbelievable things happening in baseball as we head toward the playoffs. But I saw this story about Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams in football. And it's too good to be true and too scary to ignore. Let me set the stage for those of you who are oblivious to what took place last weekend. The San Francisco 49ers were playing the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay, still the youngest coach in the NFL with the Super Bowl ring. It's amazing to have accomplished what he's accomplished, to have been as good as they've been, as bad as they are, and still be the youngest coach. They're down 10, 30 to 20. Game's coming to an end. The Rams have the ball. They're driving. They set up for a field goal because it's fourth down. Four seconds to go. Down 10. Kick the field goal. Time expires. Final score, 30-23. Big deal. Everyone runs off the field. Niners win. Undefeated. Heading toward the Super Bowl, maybe. The Rams continue on their losing ways. Except... It's what people call in the gambling world a bad beat. A bad beat is when something happens during the course of a game at the end of a game, also known sometimes as a backdoor cover. A backdoor cover is when a team is down by 14 points and the spread is eight points and you've got the underdog. So you've got the favorite, you've got the underdog, whatever, the spread is eight points. All of a sudden, there's a touchdown scored at the very end by the team down 14. Doesn't matter. The team then only wins by seven. So the favorite doesn't cover. The underdog does. Why is that a big deal? It happens. An 80-yard touchdown pass, a run that was supposed to go for five yards goes for 55 yards. In basketball, a three-pointer at the end of the game in the normal flow of the game, a half-court heave. Bad beats. Part of gambling you're gambling, you're taking the risk, there's a point spread, and you know very well you could win, you could lose, that's how it goes. We're not talking about bad beats here. There's another thing when you're talking about on-field integrity and the concern that Roger Goodell himself expressed many years ago about the problem of the NFL or any other sport getting too involved with gambling. This is when I take the detour to say, gambling and professional sports used to be a partnership not made in heaven. Bud Selig, the former commissioner of baseball, former commissioner of football, Pete Rozelle, everybody tried to ignore 
that gambling was a thing. You did it on Sunday mornings. You went outside to a payphone. You met some nefarious, during a nefarious activity, you met a bookie to pay money or get money. It was all illegal. Then you started with potentially some offshore operation online companies, illegal. I'm not talking about in your office when you do a survivor pool or fantasy football. I'm talking about betting with someone where if you don't pay, you get in trouble. And the leagues wanted no part of it. But then the leagues realized this seems crazy. Everybody's betting. Why wouldn't we want to get involved? But we don't want to yet. We'll dip our toes in. Let's wait to see what the government does. Lo and behold, as you know, the government started saying, hey, this seems like a good idea, sort of like marijuana. Let's see if we can get some tax money out of this. Let's make gambling legal. Outstanding. And thus you've got DraftKings, FanDuel, and other apps that are used where on your phone, if you are in a particular state, you can place a bet. When the leagues embrace that, and realize the amount of money that they could get in revenue from gambling, from companies, from people being engaged in their sport because they're engaged in their wallet or they're engaged in the entertainment of gambling. It was incumbent upon the leagues to always have the following statement ready to go. We are suspending this player. We are doing the following thing all in the name of and then lights would shine on the person in front of the microphone, showing their powder, their makeup, their lipstick. Competitive integrity. Roger Goodell had a very simple line, and it was a decade ago, about if gambling is permitted freely on sporting events, which it is, normal incidences of the game, such as bad snaps, drop passes, turnovers, penalties, and play calling, inevitably will fuel speculation, distrust, and accusations of point shaving or game fixing. Sean McVay of the Rams goes down, kicks a field goal for no particular reason as the clock is winding down and expires and the Rams cover the spread. Interesting. He was asked about it. He answered in a way that will make Roger Goodell talk to his people and say, could you please call Mr. McVeigh and get a memo sent to the rest of the teams so we can discuss how we're going to discuss when these things happen? Because Sean, what you did, no good. Sean McVeigh addressed the media yesterday because this is still a story after Sunday's game and said, hey, we were trying to go two for one. We wanted to just quickly kick the field goal, then do an onside kick and put ourselves in position to win the game with four seconds left on the clock. Ignoring the fact that he could have kicked the field goal a minute earlier, done an onside kick and had time for a touchdown. He knew very well. So then it segued into, well, once I knew that the clock was going to expire, I then realized I did not want Matthew Stafford throwing a Hail Mary because I didn't want to put him in harm's way. And then he said, oh, oh, and one more thing. 
I wanted my field goal unit to get reps. Have you ever heard a bigger bunch of horse hockey than that explanation by Sean McVay? Claiming I didn't know the point spread? News alert, yes he did. Not only did he know the point spread, every player in the NFL, every coach, every president, every owner, they know the spread of their game going into the game. When they tell you, oh, I had no idea. Line. In baseball, where gambling is less prolific in terms of what you gamble on, the amount of money you gamble on baseball versus football, it's, it's a different world. Guess what? Baseball players know who's favored because you can't avoid the crawl. Anyone watching the crawl recently on any channel? Well, clubhouses and coaches' offices all have TVs. And they're all not on MSNBC or CNN or Fox Business. They're all on MLB Network, NFL Network, ESPN, CBS, DraftKings Network. They are all watching TV. It's on 24 hours a day. And there's the crawl at the bottom of every one of the channels. And the crawl has your game and your line. Now, there are examples of players who don't know when they're doing a specific thing during a specific game until the end. So Freddie Freeman knew going into last night's game that he needed, or two nights ago, that he needed one steal to get to 20. And him being a 2020 player at his age of 33 was going to make history. He's aware of it. Acuna of the Braves knows when he's going to get to 70 steals and be the first ever 50-70 guy or 40-70 guy, excuse me. By the way, the Braves are insane. But in any case, players know about that. During the course of a game, if you ask a basketball player, how many points do you have? They won't know. You ask a baseball player, how many hits do you have today? They know. Ask a baseball player, do you need anything for the cycle? They'll know. Ask a baseball player, hey, you've got two home runs. You need one more for three home runs. That's a team record. They would know they need one to get three. They wouldn't know what the team record is. They'd be told. There is no scenario under which Sean McVay did not know the spread of that game. Football, it is incumbent upon you, Roger Goodell, and the rest of the NFL owners and management and everyone in the commissioner's office to arm coaches with better explanations of why things are done. Because is it possible McVay wanted to get his Rams to cover the spread? Yes. Is it possible that he had no money involved? 100% yes. I'm not saying he bet on the game, bet on, on himself and needed to make sure he covered. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it looks bad. And when something looks bad enough times, it eventually is bad because perception is reality. And the perception is what everybody's trying to avoid. The perception of impropriety, the perception of the loss of integrity of the on-field product. We want to, as a sports industry, embrace gambling. We want to work with the gambling companies. We want to give the people what they want, the kinks, because... That's how we make more money. They, dollar dollar fine, Coca. So my conclusion about this topic 
is not that I'm upset that Sean McVay decided to kick a field goal. Not that I'm upset that he did or did not give the worst explanation possible. And that it's beyond credibility what he was trying to say. What I'm upset about is that leagues, teams, presidents didn't see this situation coming and arm the people who speak to the media with better talking points, better explanations than we wanted to get our field goal team some reps. Oblivious to the spread, whatever. Okay, ooh, here we go. Go ahead, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I wanna talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson, get into my Twitter at David P. Samson, or you can go on davidsampsonpodcast.com and I will see your questions and your emails. So you want to talk to Samson from the movie Half-Baked. This is a good one. David, I've been listening to your show since the beginning, an original Samsonite. I don't love Samsonite. That's sort of to me a luggage company, but I appreciate your loyalty and I love that you're there from the start. I don't want that to become a thing though. Well, be, being loyal, yes, but Samsonite, eh. You always talk about stadiums. Are the Rays getting a new stadium? Well, thanks for asking. I'm glad that you put that in because we talked yesterday, as you know, because you listen to every show, that there was gonna be an announcement that Tampa got a stadium. Finally, an MLB can head toward expansion, but guess what? That's not what this story is about. I'm not going to answer the question in the way you think. Are the Rays getting a new stadium? Objection, lack of clarity. Yes, the Tampa Bay Rays or the Rays organization is going to get a new stadium. Whether that be in St. Pete, Tampa, Montreal, Nashville, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, the tri-state area, the bi-state area, the Southport area, so when you ask the question, be way more specific. Are the Rays getting a new stadium in St. Pete as announced yesterday? They, they have a press conference live on their regional sports network. It's not theirs, it's Bally Sports Florida. The regional sports network, live. Big announcement, the mayor, Stu Sternberg, the owner of the Rays. The co-president, Matt Silverman, great. Brian Auld, president co-president, whatever their titles are. They stand up there and they say some of the strangest things I've ever heard at a stadium press conference. Here's how it's supposed to go when you are announcing your new stadium after 16 years. You take a shovel, you hold it up there. That's the groundbreaking, which would be amazing. That's another photo op. You go and you get in front of the microphone. Today is the day that we've been working toward for 16 years. We are so thrilled that we are finally done and can say that we will be in St. Pete and the Tampa area for generations to come. We are proud to build this ballpark and give you fans and baseball experience that you have deserved since this franchise started. We have worked our tuchuses off 
to be in the playoffs five straight years, to give you a winning opportunity, even with the limited resources we have, because we understand why we couldn't charge more for tickets. We understand why more of you didn't go to games because we were in an older facility without the proper in-stadium experience. All of that's gonna change. Imagine how we are going to be in the American League East when we can compete with them on and off the field. We're gonna keep going, bring you the first World Series and just fly from there. An organization that we're gonna be proud of because the stadium deal is done. Questions, comments? That's a press conference. Nope, it's not what happened yesterday. Are you aware that there's still votes that have to be taken by politicians in the county and the city, the county of Pinellas County, the city of St. Petersburg? The Tampa Bay Rays suffer from premature exuberance. The deal's not done. It was so hard for us to get the votes in Miami that we needed to get the public financing part of the project done. You don't announce a done deal until you know, not that you have the votes, that the vote's done and you got the votes. But wait, this may be about leverage. Maybe by announcing this deal alongside the mayor before the vote's taken, the local politicians will say, oh, heavens, am I nervous? I can't go against this press conference. I've got to vote for the public subsidy. Doesn't work that way. Those local politicians, those people on the city councils and commissions, they could care less about a press conference. As a matter of fact, they may be further emboldened to go against the stadium project because they get to say to the mayor and to the big bad billionaire owner, look at you. They get to say to their constituents, hey, look at me. I took care of those big bad guys. You gotta count your votes. It took me years to count votes to figure out what is it gonna happen to get the deal done. Instead, the president of the Rays said basically, hey, we're counting on the mayor to get this vote done. And the mayor's there smiling, hey, yeah, I'll get this done. Very bizarre. And why are the Rays doing a stadium in St. Pete? I don't know if you remember this, but the Rays were a team. And remember, I love the Rays organization. Jealous of the Rays organization. Not in terms of how they did, went about getting their stadium. I'm talking about on the field and the people they have. Just first class all the way. You got to be careful when you give interviews along the way when you're trying to get a stadium. And it's hard because you say things that you want back when they were doing the two city solution in Montreal and Tampa, it was, this is the only way to move forward. Well, clearly that's not the case. Comments were made by the team president. We would have no interest in any sort of development. We just want a stadium. Well, that ended up not being the case. As you would imagine, the deal in St. Pete is for development. It's a real estate play. It's gonna be a multi-year, over a decade, development project where they're gonna have hotels, they're gonna have condos, they're gonna have affordable housing. They're moving a community museum into that development. Believe me, I know how that deal came together. 
all of it is done, including the smallest stadium in Major League Baseball history. A 30, I don't want to say history of all the new stadia, a 30,000 seat stadium with a special kind of roof that will allow you to engage with the open air and it's got this and that. I'm in on all of it, but it's not done. The president himself talked about the major commitment. They're putting $700 million into the project. They tried to explain away why they like St. Pete now when they've been saying no to St. Pete for a decade, saying it's a brand new city, all the amazing things going on. Telling you that attendance is gonna go up because we'll have a better ballpark surrounded by a world-class destination. All of those talking points are all fine. Comfort comes first. That's why we're going to have a roof. I'm in. We want our fans to be comfortable. I like it. Our goal to be the best ballpark in America. Hell yeah. I like it. Operable walls. Did it. Love it. In. 30,000 seats. Fine. No problem. Major League Baseball's here to stay, the owner said. Great. Love it. Except the actual final quote was, hopefully this happens. All of that excitement got ruined by a word, H-O-P-E-F-U-L-L-Y, because they haven't had the vote yet. That's insane. So if you're asking me, are the Rays getting a new stadium? Yeah, is it a done, done deal? No. Very strange. These are strange days indeed. All right, let's take a break, Coco. We come back, I'm gonna review a movie and talk about the concept of the movie that many of you probably haven't seen, but it made me smile. And then we're gonna give you an update on the Mel Tucker situation on a far more serious note on what's going on in Michigan State. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson and Matt Coca live every day, 8 a.m. This is our show. It's available for audio right at 9 o'clock after we're done recording live. It's just Coca and it's just Sampson. That's it. That's the entire credit roll. Watch a movie every day. I watched a movie called The List with Halston Sage. It's not reviewed very well. Here's the concept. As you would imagine, there's a girl and a boy and they're engaged. And the boy has sex with someone who turns out to be a celebrity. And the girl says, well, is she on your list? 
and they have a celebrity list of people they can have sex with, which never happens because you never see the celebrity. And when you do see the celebrity, it's not like you're about to have sex. And if you do have sex with them, it's likely you may be married to them or going to be married to them, but not that you're married to someone else because that's weird, if not wrong. And then the girl says, well, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. I'm gonna go sleep with a celebrity. The whole movie is about how to find a celebrity who you wanna sleep with, find them, and then sleep with them. And of course, there's the usual hijinks when somehow, can you imagine if I made a list of five celebrities, Madonna, Bridget Fonda, and I go ahead and say, all right, I get the hall pass, I, they're the list. And then in the next two weeks, I run into each of them and engage with them and have an opportunity to sleep with all of them. I was the president of a team for 18 years. You'd think that maybe I traveled in circles where a list like that could have been possible. I'm here to tell you, those lists, while they exist, very, very difficult to follow through on. It's not like you can call someone and say, excuse me, any chance that I could see Madonna? So the concept of this movie was a little bizarre to me in that we can do better. And I love the fact that it's original, not really. I love the fact that it entertained me, it did. I love the fact that it's not a sequel. It's not a sequel to Hall Pass, so it's not. But for an hour and a half of your time, I'm gonna probably tell you to pass and I'll give you one bit of marital advice and the irony is not lost on me that I'm doing this. That whole Hall Pass list thing, it's not actually true. If you go back to your significant other and say you wouldn't believe who I met at the bar, it's not gonna be okay. Just throwing it out there in case it sticks with any of the listeners. That's the list. Now, very, very strange to transition from the list to what happened to Mel Tucker. Because now I have to be serious and I'm going to be serious because this is serious. There's a lot of money at stake. Mel Tucker is the coach at Michigan State. We touched on Mel Tucker on a previous show because he was suspended for not just an inappropriate relationship with someone, but remember it was the woman who was hired to come on to campus. She is one of the leading advocates of anti-sexual assault on college campuses, travels around talking to teams how to not do or avoid sexual assault how wrong it is. Mel Tucker, the coach of Michigan State, had an affair with her that he said was consensual and she's saying, not consensual, you assaulted me. You forced yourself upon me and did inappropriate things. Michigan State underwent an investigation and we told you that while the investigation was pending, they were going to temporarily suspend him and then they ended up terminating him. Then they sent him that letter. Michigan State sent Mel Tucker a letter saying, we intend to terminate you for cause. We owe you $79 million. We don't wanna pay you $79 million. We wanna fire you and move on. It's not like SMU where they join the ACC, they get an extra $100 million of booster donations and they are flush with cash. If Michigan State had been able to raise the money from its boosters to pay off Mel Tucker, they'd just pay him off and that'd be the end of them. But Michigan State has decided in the post Larry Nasser world that it is better for us not to pay him off and to fight with him 
because we want to show that we've changed, that we are a more sensitive school when it comes to protecting people from abuse, whether they work for us or not. So we're going to terminate Mel Tucker for cause. The athletic director sent a five-page letter outlining all the things that he did and all the reasons why he's being terminated for cause. The old moral turpitude clause, don't violate that. Don't sign a contract that has that, by the way. Basically saying that all of Mel Tucker's conduct, he acted unprofessionally and unethically, and he was obligated to act both professionally and ethically. Alleging that it is unprofessional and unethical to flirt, make sexual comments, and masturbate while on the phone with a university vendor. Not sure why they needed while on the phone with a university vendor. It doesn't help that it was a university vendor. I don't love calling Ms. Tracy a university vendor. None of this is happening if Mel Tucker had an affair with Tracy, left his wife, and they lived happily ever after. That's not termination for cause. Even at a Mormon university or a religious Catholic university, whatever university, yeshiva, I don't care, doesn't matter, the religion, you have an affair and the woman and the man live happily ever after, don't say a word, you're not getting terminated for cause. You have an affair that doesn't work, you're not getting terminated for cause. You have a relationship with the vendor, the one who supplies water bottles to the campus, and she's not upset, he's not upset, they're not upset, you're not being terminated for cause. It may not be ethical, it may fill the world with immorality. That said, you're not getting terminated for cause. The entire issue here is the allegation of sexual misconduct. That's the issue that Mel Tucker is facing, that he engaged in sexual misconduct with people are saying with the one person you shouldn't do it with because she's the face of sexual misconduct. No, it's not that. Anybody should not be the subject of sexual misconduct. Doesn't matter that it was Tracy, Brenda Tracy, or anybody. It could be finger cuffs from chasing Amy, and you're not allowed to have sexual or commit sexual misconduct against this person. But Michigan State has to stick to their best chance to terminate him for cause. So they say your conduct engaging in sexual extramarital behavior with a university vendor rises to the level of a material breach of your contract. Hmm. There is no judge in the country that's going to give them that on its own. Mel Tucker had seven days to respond to the allegations. He took a day and he responded publicly to ESPN. A quick note to those helping Mel Tucker. Please stop giving statements directly to media outlets. Please engage with Michigan State and its attorneys directly, professionally, with memorandum. Please ask not to litigate this in the court of public opinion. Please ask for a gag order so that neither side can disclose anything about the negotiations. It's not helping your case. Unless you're trying to win a PR case, which you can't win, you're trying to save some of your $79 million. Releasing statements to a media outlet is not how to do it. 
but I digress. So Tucker released this statement and he said, let's be clear. I don't believe Michigan State plans to fire me because I admitted to an entirely consensual private relationship with another adult who gave one presentation at MSU at my request over two years ago. That's true because that's not in the contract. I don't know why you want to put that in your statement because I agree with you. That's not why they're firing you. They said in their letter why they're firing you. They gave you the clauses that you purportedly violated. That's why they're firing you for cause. Your contract, Mr. Tucker, talks about what termination for cause is. And the letter from the AD, highly lawyered letter, went through each of those provisions. Your response is that, let's be clear, they're not firing me because of that affair. Okay, let's keep going. MSU knew about the information on which it supposedly relies to end my contract since March of 2023. So what Mel Tucker is arguing through a statement to the media is that there's a statute of limitations and that once you discover behavior, then you've got to act on that behavior that you discovered. And if you don't act for four months, five months, six months, uh-oh, you've lost the opportunity. That's also not how termination for a cause works. So far, Mel happens to be overdose. Let's see what else, what do we have here? Only after Ms. Tracy and potentially others leaked the confidential investigation report to the press did Michigan State suddenly decide the same information that they had since March 23 warranted termination. Now we're getting somewhere, maybe. What he's saying is the only reason he got fired is that there was a leak to the press, whether it was done by Tracy or by MSU or by the board, it doesn't matter. There was a leak to the press and then the press brought this to the forefront. And then there was so much pressure to bear that MSU had a fire Tucker. Let's see if that sounds familiar. Northwestern, anybody? Here's the problem with that argument. That's also not termination for cause. And that is not what Michigan State is relying on, nor is it a defense to termination for cause. Hey, they could have terminated me for cause in March, but not in September. Nope, not good enough. Michigan State sent its notice of intent to terminate just days after I emailed Michigan State Athletic Director requesting a medical leave under the Family and Medical Leave Act for a serious health condition. I can only conclude that Michigan State does not care about my rights, the truth, or its future liability for policing its employers' private lives. I don't know that I agree or disagree with that statement, other than to tell you, sorry, Mr. Tucker, that's not gonna help in the termination for cause situation that you find yourself in. Is there an issue if you submitted a desire to take a leave? under the Family Medical Leave Act, and I have no idea what the issue is. If he is seriously sick, I'm very sorry. I don't want anyone to be sick. If he is anxious, mental, whatever the case is, that is serious when people want leave for, from the Family and Medical Leave Act. And when you say you have a serious health condition, I'm gonna believe you that you have a serious health condition. 
That has nothing to do with why you were terminated. There's only one thing worse than releasing your response statement to the press directly. It's having nothing in that statement that actually would lead anyone to believe, uh-oh, there may not be cause here. Now this will go through litigation, there'll be hearings, there'll be settlement talks. At the end of the day, the only reason Tucker is fighting this, he wants his money. And the only reason Michigan State is doing this has nothing to do with protecting their, their reputation, which is soiled anyway, trying to recover from where they've been, trying to help out where they're going to go, trying to say that we stand up for all those who are the victims of sexual assault, which I totally agree with. But if he were owed $750,000, is this happening? It's about the $79 million, period. Nothing, personal pick of the day. Did you watch the Padres? Blake Snell wrapped up the Cy Young Award last night exactly as we told you he would. Dominated the Rockies. Seven innings, no hits. We are three under. I think we've won a couple in a row now, Coca. We are 128 and 131. Last night in baseball, we saw the Marlins beat the Mets. We saw the Reds lose. We saw the Diamondbacks win. The nationally wild card continues to be fascinating. There's a series between the Diamondbacks and the Giants. Very important for wild card. Let me explain to you. I'm going to tell you the standings and then tell you who's rooting for what, when, where, and how. Because, of course, there's always a rooting interest in the wild card. In the wild card right now in the National League, the Marlins, who are in an interesting position, are only a half game out. And they're only a game behind Arizona. And they're only a half game behind the Cubs for the final playoff spot. And so the Giants are behind them by two and a half games. When you are looking at this game and you've got the Diamondbacks and the Giants, even though the Giants are behind you, you want the team in front of you to lose, not the team behind you. So you're rooting for the Giants to win that game. Even though it would mean that they could come closer to you if you lose your game, you still want to not lose ground to the team ahead of you if you lose a game. So you're always rooting against the team ahead of you, even if the team tied with you or behind you would win and benefit from that rooting interest. So the Marlins are all rooting for the D-backs, which will provide the D-backs with further separation over both the Giants and potentially the Marlins if they lose. We're taking the Diamondbacks. What a story. Diamondbacks make the Orioles. Do you know, side note, Coca, the Orioles are only two games behind the Braves for best record in all of baseball. If the Orioles would make it to the World Series and catch the Braves, they'd host, have home field for the World Series. If Brandon Hyde is not manager of the year, then I'm not pretty, I don't know who would be. Coca, do you have, uh, are there odds for manager of the year? I, I, I would assume there should be. I would assume that Brandon Hyde ought to be absolutely favored. Okay, that was pick of the day. Let's talk about what happened yesterday with The Rock. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, do you remember the wait to see Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, fine. We'll always revisit our wait to sees. Many, many years ago, was it during COVID, maybe three years ago, Dwayne The Rock Johnson 
and his partner, Danny Garcia, bought, in theory, the XFL. Do you remember that entire transaction? Their partners are called Redbird Capital. They're the money partners. Dwayne Rock Johnson is the most recognizable face, maybe the best Q rating of anyone in our country. An absolute coup to have him as the owner of the XFL. But I gave you a wait to see that said, guess what? He didn't write a big check at all. As a matter of fact, I assure you, he invested under $5 million. The reason that's an open wait to see is we've never seen it reported how much exactly he owns of the XFL, how much exactly he invested in XFL. The only thing we do know is that the XFL is not making money. Shocking. We also know the USFL is not making money. Shocking. The USFL is owned by Fox. Their games are shown on Fox. XFL has a deal with ESPN to show its games. And following in the footsteps of so many organizations, who knew that Jay Monahan and the PGA would be the beacon of business fortune by executing the merger, pun intended, with Liv. Mergers are a thing. We had that merger in the pickleball world. Sirius XM, merge. Gambling companies? Hmm. Streamers? We'll see. WTA and USTA, men's and women's tennis? Maybe. All these mergers are happening. Why? Because the view is, if you're the XFL and you're the USFL and you're competing against each other, you're spending money to compete against each other, you're competing for sponsorship dollars, you're competing for advertising revenue, you're competing for TV revenue, you're competing for ticket revenue, you're competing for eyeballs, and you're both losing. Maybe if we combine forces together, we'll lose less money. XFL and USFL are rumored to be merging. What is that going to look like? Will it be Dwayne Rock as the face of the new XFL, USFL team? You can bet your bottom bippy that the total number of teams in the XFL plus the total number of teams in the USFL will not equal the total number of teams in the merged league. There aren't enough good players or even decent players who anyone wants to watch in those leagues. You can also bet that both networks will continue to broadcast the games. One of the things that people are watching is in a merger like that, what happens to the TV rights? Why would Fox agree to have games shown on ESPN? Why would ESPN agree to have games shown on Fox? Because part of the merger will guarantee that games will be shown on both networks the same way the NFL is shown on multiple networks. And you've got rules in place where you promote games on other networks. When you're watching CBS NFL games, they don't shy away from saying this game on Fox later today. It's part of what they do. TNT advertises when there's an ESPN basketball game. It is in everyone's best interest for everyone to know where the content is on, what platform, what time, because 
a rising tide lifts all boats. So this merger fascinated me because do they think that together one league will do what both leagues have never been able to do? What about this merger tells you that they're going to be a viable spring alternative where people are going to embrace it in a way they've never embraced this type of football before? Cutting the number of teams, the number of players, improving the quality of the game, coming up with crazier and crazier kickoff rules and rules that'll make people want to watch. At the end of the day, the gimmicks are fine. Everyone liked a wide world of sports once in a while. But at the end of the day, people are looking for quality. They're looking for intrigue. They're looking to gamble. They're looking to think that they've got an edge while gambling, to have an understanding. They're looking to play fantasy. People love The Rock. I love the idea of having The Rock as the face of the newly merged league. But it doesn't actually drive business the way one would think. Do you think anyone cared when Serena and Venus Williams owned a little bit of the Miami Dolphins and they'd walk up and down the red carpet as though it's some sort of Lakers celebrity match? No one actually cares about that stuff. It doesn't drive business. It doesn't make a company want to associate with the newly merged league because The Rock is out front and center. He can call on his friends to come to the opening game of the merged league get some good photos. But the ultimate question will be, when you put two negatives together, can it serve like math and end up a positive? That's the ultimate way to see. My official way to see is that this merger will happen and the games will appear on both networks. And the reason I make that my official way to see is the alternative is that both leagues fold. So you might as well try one more thing before it folds yet again. Because even when you put the rock out front, it's just business. This is nothing personal. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.